Amy, myself, Simone, and Jalal. And we thought it's a timely opportunity for us to reach out to all of you uh, and just kind of take you through some of the things we're seeing uh, in terms of the news that we're seeing economically day to day, but also what we're seeing underneath the, uh, let's say behind the curtain uh, in terms of corporate activity, and then give you a sense of what, uh, you know, some of our economic research is forecasting over the, uh, over the coming months and years as it relates to interest rates, just to kind of give you a sense of what, what trending we're seeing out there. Sammy, I'll pass it over to you. Hi everyone, and we're very excited to have you at our very first live event. Uh, hopefully everything's working on your end and uh, we look forward to doing more of these. Uh, we figure it's a good way to keep in contact with you in a really quick and meaningful way and uh, a recording will be available. Also, just to give you a heads up, we will be taking questions. So if you want to start sending in questions now, um, we'll, we'll try to answer as many as we can as we go along um, and we'll, we'll kick it off. But to Sean's point, um, it's been an interesting market to say the least. It's been quite volatile, uh, a really rough start to the market. Here we are, uh, you know, approaching the end of June. Um, so what we see on the screen here is just overall market performance in 2022. And you'll see an awful lot of red on the screen. Um, the really, the only area that's really working, and I think we all feel it when we go to the gas pumps, is, is energy um, and, and our commodities. Everything else uh, ha has had a really, really tough go here. Um, so what we wanted to do today is kind of talk about what else we're seeing out there, what are some of the, the, the indicators pointing to, and where we're seeing some, you know, I would say positive shoots of information. I think we're, you know, this is going to drag on for a bit of time. We don't think, you know, we're never going to time the bottom, as we all know. This is why we build a properly diversified portfolio is to get through these difficult times. But we really want to talk to some of the things we're seeing because sometimes those headlines can be uh, awfully negative and uh, a lot of noise to, to filter out. So in the news right now, you've heard a lot about inflation and you're going to continue to hear a lot about inflation in the coming weeks and months, at least in the near term, probably till in around October or November as, as central banks uh, tend to unite around the world in, in, in unilaterally increasing interest rates to combat what they're seeing in the economy. And I thought what we do is quickly review what the three types of inflation are. Um, the first type of inflation is monetary inflation. And what that simply is, is basically an increase in the money supply uh, more than what the economic capacity can handle. And then what has happened, and a big, a large part of what uh, the inflationary uh, pressures are, is basically fiscal policy as a result of what happened over the period of COVID uh, was to basically uh, under, underpin workers that were forced out of work during economic shutdowns. And an enormous amount of money was flushed into the system to help people who weren't able to work, uh, you know, stay afloat, so to speak. But the end result of that was there was a whole bunch of money put into the economy, too much so that it stimulated demand more so than our productive capacity can meet from a supply standpoint. So that's a big part of it. And not unrelated is consumer price inflation in that there's a lot of dollars in the economy as a result of monetary inflation or increase in the money supply, it then, it then it basically uh, attracts to items that you would buy day to day and the prices, because again, there's a lot of demand for these, uh, for these items, the prices correspondingly increase. The other type of inflation too is asset price inflation. 
and that would be the value of your house in, you know increasing over time the value of your company portfolio increasing over time etc and COVID actually had a significant impact particularly on housing prices in canada uh, also in the united states but more so in canada as time went on over the last couple of years to the point where uh, canada was one of the most expensive housing markets in the world I think we have a slide here, Joel, if you want to pull it up on the economic growth. So as, as dire as things sound, there's still growth, right? We're, we're, you know, it's slower. It's definitely not where it was, but it is still positive. Um, so I think looking at that, you know, there's a lot of talk around recession. Are we going into one? Are we in one? <clears throat> there's all those questions going on right now, and our, our research is still indicating we, we don't think we're, we're headed into a recession. But there's a lot of factors at play, right? So this is going to be a very delicate situation in terms of raising interest rates, but not stalling out the economy. And so it's going to be a balancing act. I think it's going to be bumpy. Um, but looking at the individual companies, and we can talk to a few of them here, looking at the actual underlying holdings that we have, they're good, solid businesses. And I think we are seeing some good, you know, good, solid earnings still. You're seeing dividends increasing. Share buyback activity is, is set to reach a record this year. JP Morgan is estimating around a trillion dollars in share buybacks. So there are a lot of uh, positive things, but it's going to be delicate. So it's maneuvering through this, this bumpy period. But, you know, I think we've all read Warren Buffett's quotes. And I think he's got many of them about uh, going through volatility. Um, and it's when times like this, when it feels the worst or when it's really feeling it's usually a good buying opportunity. Um, so I think keeping that in mind as we go through um, and, and just averaging in, so not making big jumps or swings, but it's working it in over time and buying some good quality assets. And to be clear, the central bank, like the Fed and the Bank of Canada and uh, the European Central Bank, their goal is not to dip the economy into a severe recession. They don't want to do that. And they have reams and reams of economists working on their behalf to understand every act, uh, aspect of the economy and to ensure to the extent they can that they don't do this. But make no, make no mistake, the economy got overheated, asset prices got extended, and they need to slow the economy down because the next slide we're going to show is uh, unemployment rate in the United States. Jalal, can you show that, that slide? Because if you look at the unemployment rate in the United States, right now it's sitting at 3.6%. The number in Canada is not that far off, and that is too low of an unemployment rate. And you can see that slide right here. This is the US data, but again, Canadian data is very similar, and, and there's similar employment issues in the UK and in the, uh, in the European Union as well. Um, it's too low, if you look at uh, full employment in the United States historically has been around 5%. And when you have unemployment this low or employment rate that high, which, we, which is approaching 97% full employment rate, what that does is that really imposes on the economy huge inflationary pressure on wages. Now, wage, wage increases are fine when they're backed by productivity increases or, econ or, or real economic growth. 
But when wage increases are purely inflationary, i.e. my costs have gone up, therefore you need to pay me more, that becomes a problem. And so the Fed is going to act to suppress this. They're going to they're going to act to really bring the unemployment rate higher, which is going to produce headline news is not going to look very good. But longer terms, you know, that's going to serve to basically cool the economy sufficiently to uh, bring inflation down, which is a larger long term risk than than a tick up in the unemployment rate. So we journey to the next slide, Jalal, there talking about recession because we're hearing this, you know, over and over again. And, and the, the there's a lot of fear when you hear that word, right? And it's very natural that we all feel that it, uneasy when we hear that word. But when you actually take a look at the actual numbers, they're not, you know, you're not getting stellar growth during a recession, but it's not as scary as I think sometimes we, we often think about. So when you take a look um, on the, the page that we're showing here, you'll see it goes back, uh, we go back to the 70s and we go through each of these different recessions and we're modeling based on a 60-40 or a balanced portfolio. But it's showing the numbers, you know, what, what it looked like 12 months before the recession, during the recession, 12 months after, and then a full period, you know, one, once you've passed that recessionary number. And if you look at the average along the bottom, sure, during a recession, you're basically exhibiting not a lot of, um, growth you're basically flat but you can see coming out of it quite positive so it's it's sticking with you know your good high quality holdings collecting those dividends as you go through the difficult period if you can add to it it's a op good opportunity to do it but coming out the other side in a strong position and that's all part of when we put that portfolio together and when you're modeling your financial plan if you think back to when we've done these we know recessions are going to happen. They're going to continue to happen again and again. Um, we've had some conversations with clients that are thinking about retirement and it's, oh, do I want to do it now because it feels uneasy? It's it's going to happen at some point. You're going to be retired and we're going to go through a recession. So whether you retire now or retire later, it, it, it's, it's not going to make much difference because we've already planned ahead for that. I and mean, we've talked to lots of you about having that cash reserve on hand to buffer the short-term volatility and then having that longer-term portfolio generating that income. So again, if you're worried about it, you know, let us know, but we've been having lots of conversations with you all, getting those plans up to date and, and making sure that you're comfortable as we go through the next few months. And I think if I could add, Amy, you know, there's a, there is an emotional connection we have with the word recession and, and, and what we think of when we hear the word recession. Like for instance, Unlike a lot of people, when I hear recession, the first thing that comes to mind is the, re the Great Recession of 2008 and 2009, which, which, which was really built around a, a financial collapse in the economic system. It was a complete lack of liquidity that almost caused the, the global economy to freeze. Banks were not lending. Businesses were not extending credit to each other. Uh, and the housing market, particularly in the United States, it, you know, collapsed uh, you know, based on a number of uh, uh, factors that uh, made that happen. This is very different. Um, doesn't mean that we may not, doesn't mean we won't face a severe recession, but I, I'm more optimistic we won't because this is a this is a slowdown that's being driven by excessive liquidity. There's too much money in the system. Mm -hmm. And so central banks are proactively acting here. Now you could argue they could have acted sooner and that's a conversation for sure, but they're acting proactively to tamp down liquidity in the system versus what happened in 2008, which 
where basically central banks and the federal governments had to step in and pump the system full of liquidity. So I just wanted to add that. One of the other questions uh, we had uh, recently as well is clients asking around because interest rates are going up so much. So the question is, if I have debt, I've got, you know, mortgage, should I be switching from variable to fixed? Should I be paying off debt? Should I be saving? What do I do? It's going to be specific to individuals depending on what's going on in your life. And that's where we really need to talk to you about those things. So if you're feeling that, let us know. But, you know, rule of thumb is if you can, given the environment, if you can maintain some of that savings, um, it's a good idea to keep doing that because you're buying in at much cheaper prices. But if you're feeling the strain on the cash flow because of that increased interest rates, then we might need to rejig the numbers a bit. So looking at it specifically to you, um, fixed income rates uh, or sorry, fixed rates on mortgages um, have already moved substantially because it's already predicting several moves. Um, so again, looking at your risk tolerance, you know, how comfortable you are in terms of your, your availability to move cash from one bucket to another, really taking a look at that to make the right decision specific to you. Um, we've been having lots of those conversations recently. Um, Amy or Sean, may I add, uh, there was a question from, uh, from one of the participants. What has to take place for us to be officially uh, and say that our economy is in a recession? I'll hand it over to you guys. So the classic economic definition of that, Jalal, thanks for the question, um, is two consecutive quarters of negative economic growth. That's your classic definition of a recession, but it can feel like a recession far before that. Um, in fact, it feels like a recession right now, to be frank. Um, and the market's telling you that. If you look at the S&P 500, I mean, it's it's down somewhere in the neighborhood of 22% on the year. Globally, markets are down somewhere in the neighborhood of 20%. Um, that's pricing in a pretty significant downturn. And if if things turn out even slightly better than what we're projecting from a market perspective, you can th see things turn quite aggressively. So there's going to be backing and filling in the coming, coming months in terms of where the economy is going to settle in. But already we're seeing, for instance, if you look at leading indicators in the U.S. economy, and those leading indicators could be like, for instance, U.S. heavy truck sales, consumer confidence, core capital good orders, et cetera. They're already starting to roll over, suggesting the economy slowing down, which is which is what the Fed wants. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a good question, and and sometimes it, it's when you're in the middle of it, it feels like these periods are going to last forever, um, and they certainly do feel long. But when you journey out and you actually look at how long these things last, it, you know, in the in the long term, they really do become just a blip on the radar. But when you're in the midst of it, you know, Sean and I'll remember two, 2008, and many of you will remember that as well. It was. Uh, it felt like that went on forever and it just was one day after another of very big, very negative news. But when the market turned, there was no special report or special economic signal to say, okay, all clear, market, markets are ready to go. It, it just turned, right? And it turned very quickly. And so you had to be invested. Um, there's lots of studies and I think we've sent some of them out in, in some of our previous emails about being invested in days on the market. If you miss the 10 best days of the market, which can happen at any point in time, 
you really miss out on that full long-term, uh, you know, gain appreciation. And, and they just happen. Um, so you got to stay invested, stomach through it. Um, and again, hopefully we can provide you lots of information so that you're feeling comfortable and, and understand what you own and why you own it, I think is really, really important to us so that when you look at your statements, you can see the companies that you own. Hopefully you're probably using their products or using their services and knowing that they're going to still be around for a long time and, uh, you know, again, being well diversified across the board. And I think the other thing, you know, again, we we have we attach an oversphere to a recession, yet recessions are are a normal part of the economic cycle. You know, I think somewhere somewhere around 20% of the time over the last 70 years, the economy has been in some form of of a recession, either coming in, you know, going into one or coming out of it. And you know, it's important to understand recessions are a vital part of the economic cycle because what it helps the economy to do is work out excesses that build up in the economy work through asset bubbles that tend to occur in an overheated economy and companies behind the scenes actually in a, in a recession tend to do a lot of things to make their businesses stronger, more efficient, more lean. And when they come out of it, they come out even stronger than what they were when they came into it. Well, we'll open it up for questions. Um, if we've got any additional questions, there's the little box there that says Q&A. Feel free to type in your question uh, and we can answer a few of them. And if we don't get to them all, uh, we'll send out some emails, hopefully, just to make sure we address each and every one of them. As always, we're always available for anything uh, that you need. Um, again, doing a lot of work around the portfolios right now, um, rebalancing, making sure our positioning is proper and uh, doing a lot of work on the planning uh, aspect as well. Again, a lot of people feeling nervous getting close to that retirement. Uh, this is kind of that that timing that people want to have those conversations to make sure you're comfortable and uh, at ease. So Jalal, do we have any other questions coming in here? Uh, we have none as of yet. Okay, got it. We'll get a, give it a couple more minutes and then uh, we won't keep you. And uh, you know you know what? We'd love to uh, talk with you and see you in person. And uh, and if you need us, like Amy said, you know, please reach out to us anytime. Perfect. I think we have a question here. Says, we yep. know you don't have a crystal ball, but how many more interest rate hikes do you think will need to occur between now and the end of the year? So I actually have some information on that, and thanks for the question. That actually helps, and you know, it reminds me to bring this up. You're probably going to see from the from the Fed and the Bank of Canada, uh, based on what we're reading, uh, an increase in July of 75 basis points. They'll probably do 50 basis points, give or you know, at this point in August, mm -hmm. and then they might do another interest rate increase in September, then stand pat. Yeah. Because when you're when you're fighting inflation using monetary policy, um, there's a lag. It doesn't have like the impact doesn't happen overnight. So they have to basically raise to a point that they're comfortable with that's going to have an impact on inflation and then see the you know, subsequent impact of that of that increase. Now, if you journey out more in time, um, you know, what we see here is basically the policy rate for the U.S. is between 1.5 and 1.75%. So the Fed always has a range in terms of their uh, their base rate. Um, you know, capital economics is forecasting uh, end of 2022, 3.5 to 3.75%. 
for uh, for the US. At the end of 2022 for Canada, we're forecasting 3%. And then, you know, I could go on like UK's forecasting 2.25%, uh, Australia 2.85% and so on. And the Eurozone is uh, forecasting 1.25%. Uh, the end of 2023, you're looking at, again, which is important, the pace of increases is probably, they're forecasting it to settle down in the next few months because in the end of 2023, they're forecasting 3.75 to 4% in the States and then 3% in Canada. So not much material change in 2023 versus the end of 2022. Thank you for that question. Um, and Amy, I know you've already touched a little bit about this topic, but can you just give us a brief rundown again as to in times like this, knowing that interest rates are are going to go up, is it better to pay down any any loans you may have, like for example, line of credit uh, or any other type of loan, or is it better to use this money uh, uh, to continue your, your investments and continue with your financial plan? Yeah, it's a good question. So what we often do, Jalal, is we sit down with clients and figure out where they're at in terms of their cash flow, right? So if they've got that extra buffer, hopefully we can try to figure out a way that you can kind of continue to do both. Because again, given where markets are right now, it's such a great opportunity to buy assets that are so, so low. Um, so if you can try to figure out a way to, to maintain that, that, that's kind of the optimal. But if it's not, it's sometimes scaling back a little bit on the savings, paying down some of that higher debt, particularly if you're carrying credit card debt. Absolutely, we've got to get rid of that right away. But just on regular line of credit and mortgages, it's trying to get that under control and then really figuring out should you stay variable versus fixed. Again, fixed rates have already um, have jumped substantially because it's already pricing in kind of the rates that Sean's talking about. It, it's consensus thinks that this is what's going to happen. And so they've already raised those fixed rates. Um, so oftentimes it's maybe sticking with variable, but understanding the risk involved with that. So making sure you've got the cash flow available to do that. If that's too risky for you in your situation, you might want to lock in and so that you have that peace of mind. Um, so again, it's more specific on the individual person. Um, and that's where we sit down and talk and figure out what, what's going on in their, their specific life to figure out what's optimal for them. Awesome. And a big question we're, we're having right now because it's uh, they, it obviously, you know, Sean talked about the rates, the next 75 basis points, 50 basis points. Those are meaningful increases, right? And so we haven't seen that in a long, long time. We've been used to this low interest rate environment. So it's uh, it's making people feel uneasy. And, and that's why you're seeing kind of the housing sales starting to slow a little bit in certain areas. Um, and so it, it's a big topic right now. Awesome. And I think there was one more question. It uh, it got deleted just because of the anonymity. But um, the question was, will you be rebalancing uh, portfolios and what, what's the strategy there uh, for this year? So we, we are going to we are looking at rebalancing. We do re rebalance semi annually. Um, but that said, we're not. We like the companies that we own long term. We really do. And in in the issue is can we augment more to companies that are going to be more profitable in a rising rate uh, environment like Canadian banks, insurance companies and so forth, which really have not actually performed as we thought they would in this kind of environment. They're actually, Canadian banks for instance, are down 15% from their highs year to date. Um, so the danger is abandoning good companies because they're down in, the, in this environment, um, but equally, you know, 
everything's down. So it, you know, we want to basically rebalance into the asset class that's sold off the most. Typically, fixed income would offer us a buffer uh, to the volatility in this environment where we could rebalance from fixed income into the oversold asset, which would be the, the companies. Fixed income's down about 10% in Canada this year as well. So we're looking at it. Uh, and uh, that's something that uh, we'll be doing ongoing in the, in the coming weeks over the summer. Well, we want to be mindful of your time and we want to thank you for you know spending a little bit of your, your lunch hour with us. Um, we will be sending out the recording. Um, we'd love to hear from you too. Um, let us know how this worked on your end. Uh, was it easy to use? Uh, do you like these types of uh, content? We're hoping to do more so that we can be more engaged with you instead of just kind of on print um, and just finding times uh, that are optimal for you to join. So I'd uh, love to hear from you and thanks again and, and we'll stay tuned till next time. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Sean. Thanks, everybody.